This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. Welcome to Interviews. Being an entrepreneur is the toughest job ever. There are no practical guidelines. So I created this podcast to help crack the entrepreneurship code. Join me every week as I invite entrepreneurs to share their stories, the practical tips and lessons they've learned along the way. Don't be the main bottleneck in your business. Subscribe now. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking. Log on their website, socialprize.me. Hi, thank you for joining. My guest today is Mike Potter. He co-founded Rewind in 2015 and is based in Ottawa, Canada. Rewind is a provider of cloud backups for SaaS applications that help businesses easily backup and restore their cloud data. It's one of Canada's fastest growing companies, was number 49 in 2020, and was voted twice best place to work in 2018 and 2019. Mike does have experience running businesses because before Rewind, he endured two failed companies, but his previous company, the one before Rewind, Add in Social, was sold to my Emma, an email marketing company in the US. Hey, Mike, thank you very much for joining me today. Hi, Laurent. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Nice. So, Two failed companies, one exit, but I also know that you went through uh, difficult times at a personal level during those uh, when you when you endure those uh, failure. But you continue, you got that exit, like I said, and now rewind. You must be completely hooked or completely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little both. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurship journey. Yeah, I think um, so. My entrepreneurship journey started back in in high school and and into early university. Um, always uh, wanting to start my own company um, in high school, dabbling with a little bit of things on the side. And when I went to university, I remember I believe it's after first year university. I applied to all of these jobs for for summer work, and. Uh, had so many rejection letters. This was back in the day when you mailed your resume to people and they actually mailed you rejection letters. Email wasn't as pervasive as it was now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not old. And my wall uh, at school was covered with rejection letters. I I remember I I would take each one of them and I would sort of wallpaper my room with them. And I remember sitting there one time thinking, you know, I can't, I can't wait for somebody to give me work. I, I need to do something for the summer. And so I created, uh, I created my first company in, in first year university doing web development um, and teaching people how to use the internet. So this is 1995, 96, uh, mm. doing web development, teaching people how to use the internet in their home. And that was, uh, that was my first job uh, that I created for myself registered that company uh, and and sort of did that for the summertime. 
Oh, so you've always been an entrepreneur then? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been it's been something that I've just loved to do. I I'm you know I've worked at some great companies as well. I was fortunate to spend six years or so at Adobe, mm. but at the end of the day, um, I really I really love building things. I lo I love building things from scratch. I love trying to start something, and it's really rewarding when you you know when you build something that becomes a a website or an application or something that people recognize and use and know and you know so after after that first sort of venture into entrepreneurship my second venture was creating a website for the curling community i'm a big uh, curler if you know curling with the olympic yes. sport where you're there where you're throwing rocks at rings um, and i created a website in in the late 1990s called inthehack.com that became the world's most popular curling website. And it was great because, you know, I would go to curling events and all of these famous curlers would know the website. Like they knew, um, mm. they knew of it. They knew they were participating in it. They knew the brand. And that's just a really rewarding feeling to know that, you know, you started something from scratch that became known across the entire world, at least in this one community as, um, as a as a real destination site, and it's I don't know I just find it really rewarding to build something that doesn't exist. You create the brand, you create the name, you create the logo, and it becomes a recognizable brand um, for you know hundreds of thousands of people across the world. It's pretty cool. Right. So is that what why you so hooked? It's because you built something from scratch, something that doesn't exist, and then you you create it and you 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 put it in front of all those people. I think so. I think that's the that's the hook for me is is getting it's it's starting something that didn't exist and building something um, that otherwise wouldn't wouldn't really be out in the world, right? And I think you can create the the beauty of of software development and the really amazing thing about computers. I think is that it's relatively easy to build something uh, that scales and that does something that that doesn't exist right you mm. can you if you can learn how to program you can make that computer do pretty much anything you want it to do and that's uh that's a real power i think that people have and um and i was really fortunate enough to sort of figure that out pretty early so i worked uh, for 14 years in the market research industry and that has influenced me very much um, in, in the fact that I became a coach today because I've learned to ask questions. And coaching is a lot, is a lot about asking questions. Are there any key milestones like that in your life that have made you who you are today? I'd say I think one of the biggest influences I have um, is my dad, who was always telling me, you know, if you, if you want to get rich, you have to work for yourself. Like, don't work for other people. Mm. Um, and that was, that was very motivating. He was also really encouraging me to start businesses really early. Like I remember being in high school and my dad telling me like, Hey, why don't you, um, you know, go sell soft drinks at, uh, at the office near your house. Like, well, we'll get a cart, we'll get the drinks. You can go and, you know, buy the drinks for a quarter, sell them for a dollar kind of thing. He was always encouraging me in that way. And I think that influence growing up was definitely something that pushed me towards being an entrepreneur later in life and saying, okay, like, let's, you know, let's do this. He was also, um, you know, very helpful as I started those first businesses in, 
you know, registering the businesses and sort of walking me through the process of like, how do you actually get this done? You know, I think when you first start out, it's a little bit intimidating. It's a little bit intimidating to, um, to figure out how do you do this? Like, how do you start a business? How do you register a business? How do you pay taxes on the business? How do you pay payroll? And if you take each step sort of one step at a time, it becomes really easy once you've done it once. How do you, how do you incorporate a business? That's not, you know, once you've done it once, now you know, okay, I know yeah. how to incorporate business. It's not a big deal. How do you do payroll? Well, once you figured out how to do payroll, the next time you have to do it again, it's like, okay, no problem. I know how to do payroll now. How do you, you know, submit your taxes for the government? Well, I know what accounting firm to use, for instance. Like the more you do it and um, the, the easier it becomes to get further along in the process of building a successful company. And I think his encouragement at the start was like, just getting you over that initial hump of like, how do you register the business? How does it become an actual business? How do you find customers? Um, that was where, that was where he was really helpful. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I'd say he was probably the biggest um, influence that I can think of. Have you had any other mentors? Yeah, we have, we have a coach and we have a mentor. So mm. when I say we, I mean, most of the members of the executive team at Rewind now have we have a coach that we work with on a regular basis so we meet with him um, individually on a sort of monthly or bi-monthly basis all eight of us I think now and then I have a mentor on top of that who, who's on like the rewind board of advisors he's an official advisor to the company and I meet with him um, I've actually got an email in my inbox from him right now so I meet with him on a you know sort of monthly basis and and really as needed and I, I can't stress, I think, how important it is to have to have both, really. Like they, they provide different roles, right? Your coach, your coach can help walk you through things. I think our coach in particular has been very helpful from a people perspective and walking us through some of the people issues that we've had at Rewind, walking us through creating our mission, vision, and values and making sure that that's well aligned to how the company is behaving. He's, um, he's also uh, managed our annual planning process for the last two years and walked us through that. He's a really great facilitator to enable discussions. He's also meeting with all of the team members individually, not, not as a team. He meets with each person individually. Mm. And so he gets this really unique perspective where everyone can sort of you know, be very open with him and tell him what's going on. And so he, he may get a little bit of information that, you know, some others might not be so willing to share uh, in, a, in a more sort of private environment, with, like as a team. And that, that insight has, has proven to be really helpful. And then our, our, our mentor or my mentor is an expert in the field, right? Mm -hmm. He is, um, he's an ex-CEO in Ottawa he's he's been an investor in rewind since um since the very early days he's really believed in what we're doing he's he's extremely helpful he's extremely intelligent um he's been through a lot of the things that um that i'm going through or that i've gone through so he's helped me with his experiences and sharing his experiences he's helped me think about um what i what might be coming down the line and what i should be worried about he also gets a different view of the business because he's not in it on a day-to-day -day basis. He's, he gets, you know, when we meet, he gets my update every, mm. every month or so, every few weeks, 
He's also on the, he's, he's an observer right now on our board of directors. So he gets the company update every three months. But that outside perspective gives him a different view of the business than, than I have where I'm, I'm living the business every day. Uh, the, the analogy I like to give to people is, you know, we've just got these two new puppies at home. And when people see them, they're like, wow, those puppies have really grown. And I'm like, really? Like they don't look that much bigger to me than they were yesterday, <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah. if you see them once every three weeks or once every four weeks, they're growing like crazy. Like they're way bigger now than they were a month ago. And if that's all you see them, it gives you a different perspective on, on their life. And so he gets this different perspective on the business where he's not in it on a day-to-day -day basis. He doesn't see the minute changes. He sees the sort of more macro level changes that are going on. And that, um, that insight is is really helpful if you know if you've got somebody who's who's really smart and who can see what's going on at a at a sort of macro level you know the advice and help that he's given me has been invaluable excellent i love the analogy with uh, with the puppies i yeah. think i'm going to steal it from you yeah. <laughs> that's good that's good it's not trademark so you're going to do that <laughs> As I mentioned in, uh, in the introduction, you, you failed twice. What happened? I think, you know, the last startup I started um, when I was at Adobe, so I'd been there for about five and a half years, about five years, and I saw a need for a product that, um, that, that I thought we should build, which was essentially coordinating a, a, a release and all the social media campaigns or all the social media posts that went along with a major release. So being able to coordinate posts to Facebook, to Twitter, to LinkedIn, to YouTube, to the blog, being able to sort of time all of that and schedule it all, aggregate all the comments and statistics around it. And so I thought that that would be a really neat product to build. I was also, I think at the time, you know, really obsessed with reading um, blogs like TechCrunch that were focused on this sort of startup environment and startup mentality and seeing all of these people that were having this huge amount of success, raising all of this money, building all of these companies. And absolutely there was, um, you know, there was a lot of jealousy for the success that I was seeing other people have and wanting to be part of that. Mm. And so I left... Um, I left Adobe, I quit my job at Adobe and went to work on the startup. And I think that was, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people, especially in the, in the sort of investment industry, who'd say that you're better off quitting your job and going full-time into, into what you think is going to work. Uh, I, I think that's terrible advice. I, I totally don't believe it. I think you're better off doing something on the side and building it to the point where it's generating revenue as opposed to what I did the first time, which was, was quit my job. You know, I've got, at the time I had um, two kids with a third kid on the way, you've got mortgage payments, you've got to put food on the table, you've got, you know, really great job at Adobe paying you an amazing salary. And you quit that, go down to zero essentially, mm. and take this massive risk. It's, I found it very difficult to handle the pressure of, of that, um, and I, and I would have preferred to have had revenue before I left my job. I think that would have been a much better sort of outcome. So it didn't start out on the best footing. I quit my job before we really had any customers, before we really had any revenue. We had this idea and we spent the first few months sort of building this product out. And, you know, as we went to talk to agencies, the feedback on the product was really good, but um, none of them would use it. They all said it was a great tool that it was really needed, 
and we were trying to sell it to these marketing agencies who were handing social campaigns for some of you know the largest companies in the world. Um, but at the same time, they also had a, a, an intern in the back that they were you know charging out into the hundreds of dollars an hour and paying them dozens of dollars an hour and making a huge markup on them who actually performed the same task as our software. So the software that we built uh, would have reduced their revenue. And so they, they liked the idea of the software. It was really good, but none of them ended up using it. And, and so that was, you know, that was tough because the feedback you were getting on face-to-face -face conversations was really positive, but when push came to shove, no one ended up using the software. So we wasted probably six months or so talking to these agencies, building the software and then finding out that, that nobody needed it. And then we pivoted at that point to um, to this product that you mentioned called Add In Social, which focused on email marketing companies who could um, who could add social capabilities to their email marketing software. And that was when um, we ended up selling the company to Miami and and having them integrated into their software. Um, I, right. I think you you know there's so much to learn in that in that failure um, and. You know, the first one for me was just quitting my job too early and putting too much pressure on myself and not um, not trying to do as much as I could in my spare time, nights and weekends to try and get customers into the product. I think that was the thing that I learned the most. And then what we ended but up fixing as we been, built Rewind. Would have been easy to do because I guess you had a, a private life too. So you know how to how to balance the private and work life if you have a work or side hustle and then a personal life. Yeah, it's not easy. It's you're right. It's extremely difficult, and I think that's why it's somewhat rare for people to do it. Mm. When when my co-founder James and I started Rewind, that was exactly what we did. Though we you know I learned my lesson the first time, and I said I'm not quitting my job here. Let's just do this part time nights and weekends, and we did that for 18 months basically. From the time we started Rewind in 2015 to the time we went full-time in February uh, of 2017, you know, 18 to 20 months went by of working part-time nights and weekends, um, you know, putting the kids to bed at eight o'clock, working till one in the morning, um, going to bed, waking up, going to work, coming home, repeating that. Yeah, it's extremely, uh, it's extremely difficult. It's extremely challenging on a personal level. Um and it's it, it was it was really really hard to do for for that length of of time for sure. What, but, what kept you going? Uh, well, you had we had customers almost immediately with Rewind. Right. Like the difference between Rewind and Add In Social is that once we once we launched Rewind, in fact, even before we launched Rewind, we had an email list of people that were interested in the software. So there was clearly demand for Rewind. When we launched on the Shopify app store in 2015, I think the first month we had like 50 or 60 installs. And then the next month we had 70. And then the next month we had 80. So within just a few months, we had a few hundred um, people that were using the software. I won't call them customers because it was free at that point. Hmm. But you know, those customers really kept us going and seeing that like every month we were getting more people installing the software than the month before. Um, once we started charging in January of 2016, you obviously saw revenue starting to come in and that revenue growing month over month, understanding, you know, the power of SaaS and having people stay in the business uh, or stay with uh, as customers in the business. Um, 
you know, you saw your revenue growing pretty quickly in those first few months to the point where you could see and say, oh, like this actually has the potential to be a full-time job for us one day. I don't think either of us thought that we would ever get it to the point that it is today. Um, but it was certainly pretty evident, you know, within the first, I'd say, year of that business that it was going to be at at the very least it would be a fantastic side business and a side hustle and a great um, lifestyle business for uh, the four of us at that point that we're working on it how many are you now i think we're 110 or 115 people now so nice nice growth how has failure impacted you and how has it changed i mean if you had failed if you had not failed, sorry, would you be in the same place today? Hard to say if you had not failed, would you be in the same place? But I do think, I do think that, you know, that failure of, of that first startup, even though, even though it was acquired by Miami, you know, it, it wasn't a massive exit or anything like that. Um, it was, it really didn't have many customers and I wouldn't mm. call it, uh, I, I certainly wouldn't call it a success. Although, you know, has been pointed out, not many people even exit a failing startup. So that was pretty good. Um, but I think that that experience really helped me build Rewind and and see the patterns of where I saw where things went wrong the first time. We made sure that we corrected them the second time. So for instance, Rewind actually wasn't the first product that James and I started working on. There was actually another product even before Rewind that um, that we had worked on for about six months, mm. and that looked very similar to my first um, startup. Like I could see it; it was it was basically exactly the same thing. Where we had what we thought was a really good idea, but we had no channel to go to market. We had no customers, and we had no revenue, and nobody was using it. And I said to James, I said, "Like I've seen this before. Like this is exactly what happened in my first company. So we can't go down this path. I know how this road ends." And this one's not good. We need to we need to spend our time working on something else. And that was when I suggested that we that we do backups. And so I think having the benefit of having that failure was that you could recognize the pattern of what was happening the next time. And say, oh, like I know how this ends. I've seen this story before, uh, and you can course correct it and get it to the point where um, you can work on something that's going to be successful. Mm. I think. If you hadn't, if the first one hadn't have failed, it would have been harder to see that the that the second one, that second idea that we had, was going to fail as well. You know, we might have kept going on that, and and who knows, rewind might not exist. We might have spent a lot longer on it. Somebody else might have come in and built a backup solution before us. Um, hard to say what would have happened. Right. But I definitely think it, you know one of the impacts that that has had on me is that I'm a really big believer in the power of failure and making sure that, you know, I, I really tell, um, I tell my employees, I tell the kids that I coach in hockey, I say, I really, I don't mind if you, if you make mistakes, I really don't. As long as you're learning from the mistakes, I think that's fine. You know, the, mm. the thing you can't have is somebody that's making the same mistake over and over again, but as long as you're learning from your mistakes, um, I think that's how people learn best. I recently interviewed, um, an entrepreneur, a female entrepreneur in the, in the UK. She created like um, a PR agency and she gives small lectures at universities about failure. So for her, the same, you know, the importance of failing. We actually just have, uh, there's an, um, a message in, in our internal Slack group on a, 
on a group called, uh, I think it's fuck up nights. And that's <laughs> yes. all they do is they get yes. together and talk about their failures. Right. Yeah. I've heard um, about so it. Yeah. It's this, yeah. It's this, it's this group and people get up on stage and they talk about failures that they've had in business to, to make it more acceptable. And I think that's a, absolutely the right approach is to, you know, embrace it and say, listen, like everybody's going to make mistakes. Um, as long as you learn from them and try not to make them again, you know, that's really the point of, of trying stuff. What are you very good at? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good at coming up with an idea and seeing where, um, where there are market opportunities. Uh, and so I think I, I was able to see that with Rewind and the further we got along with Rewind, the, the larger that opportunity became. Um, and I'm pretty good at, at building a team. Uh, I've been very fortunate to surround myself with great people, starting with, uh, starting with my co-founder and then quickly on to two others, uh, Sean and Julian, who worked with us in the early, early days of Rewind before we became um, you know, even a real company. And then building that from there to you know, this team now of 110 people. I think we've done a, a great job at... Um, at, at building one of the best companies to work for in Canada. Mm. Uh, and, and so I think those are sort of the two areas that I would say I'm, I'm pretty good at is building that team and getting, um, and, and coming up with the original ideas. Mm. Before Rewind in the previous startups, did you have a co-founder? I did not have a, no, I didn't actually. Right. So, did, yeah. so it did make a difference having a co-founder then. I think it makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, um, I know one of the things that James will often talk about is, you know, the pressure that two co-founders put on each other to get work done, right? Because as you kind of mentioned in the early days, like you're asking like, what kept you going in those early days? Um, the other dynamic there is the two of us kind of not, not quite competing with each other, but pushing each other to complete certain tasks. Mm -hmm. So I might, you know, I think when we first started, I emailed James, I said, do you want to do something in your part time? And he was like, yeah. And he'll tell you, I was not the first person to ask him whether he wanted to do a startup in his spare time. But the difference between me and others, he'll say, is that I then went and, you know, created a web page, created a company name, created a domain name, um, got the website up and running, created an email list and like did stuff. And that by doing these activities, he felt pressure to contribute as well. So mm. he would, you know, then say, okay, well, I, you know, I got the framework going, I've got user registration for this website up and running, I added this feature. And then I would see that. And then I'd say, oh, like James is working, I better, you know, put in my sort of fair share of work here. So he'd push me to, to add code and do whatever that feature happened to be. And, and that dynamic, I think, especially early is really important because there are so many other things to do in life other than work on a project in your spare time, right? Like you mentioned, like, how is that possible? It's a really hard thing to do, to, to mm -hmm. do this, you know, nights and weekends, you know, you get invited to sports games, to go to the movies, to go out with uh, drinks with friends, whatever it happens to be. Um, and so you've got all these external pressures that are saying like, hey, like, why don't you come spend time with me instead of working on this thing? And if you have that co-founder where you feel a responsibility to put in your fair share of the effort, 
Mm. I think that really helps you push the product along faster than you might otherwise would if it was, if it was just you. So mm. I, I do think that that dynamic um, really helped. I think it's really important uh, to have a co-founder um, and luckily with, you know, with him and I, it's, it certainly worked out. We, um, you know, we've become really, really good friends. He was actually the sponsor of my son's first uh, or my son's confirmation uh, last weekend. So like we've developed this like really amazing relationship on top of uh, on top of the business that happens from what I'm told, that's, that's fairly rare that not often these co-founders, not every relationship works out as well as it has with us. So you know, I think we feel really fortunate, but um, I would absolutely hundred percent recommend that, you know, when you look to do something and, and start something, at least the way we started it, that having a co-founder there, I think really, really helped a lot. It keeps you accountable. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got that. You've got that pressure, right? When there's so many other things that you could be doing, you've got that pressure to contribute and to make sure that you're pulling your fair share. Mm-hmm. What and I suppose you... I was fortunate. Sorry, but I suppose I was fortunate that, you know, that that I also had somebody on the other side that felt that same responsibility, mm-hmm. right? And I think it, it you you can end up with a co-founder where one of them feels the responsibility to um, to contribute and one maybe doesn't. And I've heard stories of that. So it's not, you know, it's not every co-founder is not created equal. You have to make sure you find that right dynamic. But I do think yeah. that having one definitely helps. What do you guys want to take the business to? Uh, I, you know, we've raised now about $80 million in, in BC Capital. Mm-hmm. The goal is to build this into uh, the world's leading SaaS backup solution. So we currently back up uh, Shopify, BigCommerce, QuickBooks, Trello, and GitHub, and we've got you know a vision of backing up every SaaS service that exists on the internet. So we currently cover five um, platforms. Uh, we're expanding quickly. We'll have announcements for uh, other platforms early into 2022. And the vision for Rewind is to back up back up the cloud for every small, medium sized business that exists. Wow. Talking about ambition, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult. It's a very difficult technical um, problem to solve. Actually, to to be able to interact with all these different REST APIs, mm. um, and to back up that data, to restore that data the way it was. Every API is slightly different, and so it's a it's a really difficult engineering challenge that we've got ahead of us. If I had the ability to grant you one wish today. What would it be? I think I've been pretty fortunate to get to the point that I'm at right now. Mm. And so it's hard to think of anything else that, um, you know, that I need. I've got uh, three kids at home. They're all healthy. Uh, my wife, who's healthy. We have a great relationship um, and, uh, and a fantastic business. So I think mm. I've, I don't know, I feel like somebody's already granted me the wish, to be honest with you. And it's already come true. I'll take you all, all your experience and summarize it into one recommendation that you would give to entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs. What would that be? Say start as early as possible. I think that's the biggest learning that I, that I take out of this, right? Which is, you know, we talked about how I would have approached building a business or how I did approach building a business, which is to work part-time nights and weekends because mm. you've got this pressure of having to feed your family, having to um, pay your mortgage and stuff like that. You know, when you are, when you're really young, when you're 
twenties and you know, you might not be married. You probably maybe don't have a mortgage. You maybe don't have kids. Uh, that's the time where I think you can really take risks and try things. And so I would, I would just say, start as early as possible. And the other part of that is that, you know, if you fail really early, you've still got a lot of time to learn and you've got a lot of time to try again. Mm. So I think one of the benefits that I had was that, you know, like we went through that process of like, how do you figure out how to start a company and how to incorporate the company and how to figure out how to do payroll? You know, for me, that took me like four companies to figure all of that stuff out. Mm. So start as early as possible is the best way, um, you know, find out how to do the first part for the first one, learn a little bit, see, you know, if you end up with a great product, that's great. But if you don't try it again um, and try it again, try it again, try and give yourself as many chances as you can. I think, you know, one of the things that any, any athlete will tell you is that, you know, by the time they make it to the final of whatever event they're in, it's really, in, in most cases, it's kind of a toss up whether they win or lose, mm-hmm. right? The point of, of being a great athlete is to put yourself in the situation where you have the chance to win as many times as possible. Because if you do that over time, you'll win your fair share, but you just need to give yourself the chance. And so I think that's sort of the same thing with entrepreneurship is like, give yourself as many chances to succeed as possible. And so I think you do that by starting as early as you can um, and trying as many ideas as, as you possibly can. Like I said, even for us with Rewind, like Rewind wasn't the first idea we came up mm-hmm. with. Yeah, you're not the first one saying that. <laughs> I have uh-huh. had other okay. guests saying the same. I remember one of my guests said, start before you're ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, Good advice. I, yeah. Are we also talking about execution here? Because at one point, you know, you, you, you think you're thinking a lot, but at one point you need to act and get things done, right? Yeah. Yeah. You need, you listen, I think you need a, a good combination of, of a great idea and, um, and the ability to execute and build on that idea and do mm. a really good job on both. Absolutely. Mm. My show is called interviews, cracking the entrepreneurship code. So have you cracked the code? Uh, I think I don't know if I've cracked the code, but I think we've done we've done really well in building this company to the scale that it's at so far. And I'm I'm really excited about you know how how big we can grow it. I think the the maybe the funnest thing about this is that there is it's really an infinite game, right? There is mm-hmm. no there really is no end. Um, you if you want to build a company that's around for a really long time uh, that lasts for generations you know, that exists, there are paths to do that. And there really is no, there really is no, no end game per se. It's how do you build a company that is um, sustainable and lasts for generations? And so I, I'm not sure, I don't think you'll ever know if you've cracked the code until, until it's maybe your last day on earth and you say, Mm. Oh, like we did it. Like we, the company's (laughs) still going. Are you a fan of Simon Sinek, the infinite game? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I've I've read um, I've read his books and and follow him on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, same. And I think that definitely applies. Last question: How how can people contact you? I can follow me on Twitter at Mike Potter, M I K E P O T T E R, 
Um, and you can find Rewind on the internet at rewind.com. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Mike, for the conversation. It was great. Thanks, Laura. It was great to be here. And thank you all for listening. Do you like this show? Then please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform so you can help inspire more entrepreneurs. See you next time. Bye-bye.